this would be chaos. An Article 5 convention would be, quote, chaos. Or so says the great Robert Reich in the video that has triggered this season of Another Way. This is Larry Lessig, and this is the third episode of season two of the podcast Another Way. In the first, I described the two ways that the amendments to the Constitution might be proposed. In the second, I explained why Robert Reich believes that one of those two ways would produce, quote, chaos. If Congress convened an Article V convention, Reich claimed, then convention delegates could hijack the process and change the ratification process itself, tossing out the 38-state requirement. In this episode, I explain just why he believes this so that in the episode after this, I can show why this is just a mistake. But to see his mistake, to see why there is just no precedent at all for the idea that the delegates to an Article 5 convention could change the rules of the convention, we need to go back to the framing and rehearse a bit of just what happened then. So return with me to 1786, to just before the framing of our Constitution, at least for just a minute. We'll be back soon, but back armed with a bit of truth to cut through this convention confusion. So in 1786, America was failing. We had just defeated the most powerful empire the world had ever known just four years before, but the constitution of the nation we had founded was failing. The constitution, the Articles of Confederation, was a complete flop. No one listened to its commands. No one paid attention to its rules. In 1787, Congress requisitioned $3.8 million from the states. Of that amount, $663 was paid. Everyone at the time recognized this. So some of the leaders decided they'd try to do something about it. Congress convened a convention in Annapolis in Maryland in 1786 to consider amendments to the power of Congress to regulate commerce. That convention couldn't even attract enough states to make a quorum. But before those who did show up left, they decided they'd give Congress a bit of their mind about what should happen next. There should be, they said in a letter to Congress, a convention in Philadelphia in the following year to consider changes to the Constitution generally. Immediately after the convention in Annapolis, those leaders, James Madison most prominently, started to organize the Philadelphia Convention. Congress eventually got around to agreeing with the idea, at least so long as it was understood by all, that the convention was for the purpose of proposing amendments to the Articles. Nothing more radical was to be considered. But even modest amendments to the Articles of Confederation would have been extremely difficult to ratify. An amendment to the Articles of Confederation had to be proposed by Congress— and ratified by every state, every as in every. Without unanimous consent, the articles establishing as they declared a union that shall be, quote, perpetual, could not be changed. Now, most sensible sorts at the time realized that this constraint was just too severe. No amendment could be achieved. Nothing would ever work. 
So when the delegates to the Philadelphia Convention in 1787 launched that convention, they immediately decided to ignore their instructions. They closed the windows, locked the doors, and forbid anybody from talking in public about anything that was happening in private. And for four months, they worked to craft not amendments to the old Constitution, but a whole new Constitution. That Constitution was radically different from the Articles of Confederation, and most importantly, it proposed a radical way for it to be adopted— Rather than the rule specified in the Articles of Confederation, unanimous agreement by state legislatures, the new Constitution said it would be valid if nine state conventions so agreed. So if you're a little bit rusty on your math or maybe your history, there were 13 states in the Union in 1787. Nine is not 13. And more importantly, nine state conventions is not 13 state legislatures. So what the framers of our Constitution were doing was, quote, changing the ratification process itself. And so there it is, just what Rice was talking about, the hijacking. On this understanding, the framers of our Constitution plainly changed the rules by which our Constitution would be adopted. They read the words of the Articles of Confederation and they just ignored them. Here were delegates to the convention, as Reich said, hijacking the process and changing the ratification process itself. The then-existing Constitution said one thing, the delegates to the convention said something very different. Except they did not. They, meaning as Reich describes them, the convention delegates. Convention delegates. The convention delegates didn't change anything. They proposed something. All that the convention delegates did was propose a different way for ratifying a new constitution. That proposal on its own did nothing. It was just a proposal. The only way it would have had any effect was if Congress accepted the proposal. And if Congress accepted it, then it would be Congress that changed the ratification process, not the convention delegates. Congress was the rule breaker, not the convention delegates. They were just instigators. That is the precedent of 1787. Okay, so let's think a little bit about how that precedent could apply today. Let's start with a parallel case. Imagine a bunch of leaders today got convinced that our Constitution needed some fixing up. Specifically, as Reich describes, imagine they thought there should be a balanced budget amendment. Imagine they convinced Congress to convene a convention to consider such an amendment. Imagine Congress tells the states, send delegates to Philadelphia to consider this amendment. Independence Hall today is a museum, so they couldn't use that. But the National Constitution Center is just across the street, and it's got a really great auditorium. So imagine instead that they used that space. And imagine, as in 1787, those, quote, convention delegates just went hog wild. Rather than proposing amendments to balance the budget, imagine they proposed a whole new slew of amendments to the Constitution. But as in 1787, 
they realized that these new amendments could never be adopted by the methods described in Article 5. So imagine they proposed that these new amendments should be ratified in a national referendum. And if 60% of those voting supported them, they would become part of our Constitution. Imagine they sent their great ideas over to Congress. Here's our proposed amendments, they say in the letter to Congress. And oh, by the way, you should get this adopted by a national referendum, at least if 60% vote to support it. And then imagine finally, and this is the critical step, that the Speaker of the House having received this letter and these proposed amendments, agrees. Imagine she declares that there will be a referendum, and if 60% of America supports the amendments, then she will declare them to be part of our Constitution. Okay, does anybody actually believe that she could do that? Can anyone seriously suggest that Nancy Pelosi or anyone else could just stand on the floor of Congress and declare a new mode for ratifying amendments to our Constitution? Or if not a single member alone, even Congress together, does anyone actually seriously believe that if Congress passed a resolution changing the mode by which our Constitution could be amended, that resolution would actually change the Constitution. Whatever happened in 1787, that a simple vote by Congress could amend the procedure for amending the Constitution. Because that is the only precedent there is from 1787. That is the strongest case that Reich and his friends have. They did it, and so can we do it. But what they did was have their Congress ignore their Constitution. And what the Article 5 Chicken Littles are saying today is that because their Congress in 1787 ignored their Constitution, our Congress in 2019 would be entitled to ignore our Constitution. They created, quote, chaos then, and that would be the precedent that we would need today to create chaos now. Okay, this is just crazy talk. No sane person could actually believe that Congress could just declare a new mode for amending the Constitution, regardless of who suggested it to them and regardless of what happened in 1787. If Congress declared that it would consider amendments ratified if 60% of Americans voted for them in a referendum, it would take exactly a nanosecond for that declaration to be challenged. And before any such amendment would ever come into effect, you can be damn sure that someone would be standing before the United States Supreme Court and saying, what the hell? Tell them to stop. Tell Congress that the only amendments that you will recognize as part of our Constitution are those that follow the rules of Article 5 of our Constitution. Indeed, the argument against this crazy talk is even stronger than this. Because so far, I have assumed that what happened in 1787 could actually be a precedent for us today. But that assumption itself is just baloney. Or at least it's apples compared to oranges or whatever other food-related metaphor you want to use here. Because the only thing that anyone is talking about today 
is a convention to propose amendments to our Constitution, convened under Article 5 of our Constitution. The convention in 1787 was fundamentally different. It was not convened under the Articles of Confederation. Indeed, the Articles of Confederation didn't have any procedure for convening a convention. And so that convention didn't actually change the rules. There were no rules. That convention was conceived outside of the then-existing Constitution. And outside of that Constitution, it proposed a procedure for adopting a whole new Constitution. No one serious today is talking about a convention convened outside of our Constitution for the purpose of replacing our Constitution. Maybe we should be, but no one is. The only idea that anyone is talking about today, and certainly the only idea being voted upon in state legislatures today, is the idea of a convention, as the words of the Constitution describe it, quote, for proposing amendments which, as the Constitution states, quote, shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution when ratified until, quote, ratified, as the Constitution specifies. They are not valid. Once ratified, in the mode the Constitution specifies, then and only then are they part of the Constitution. Okay, so this has been a long episode. Let me see if I can summarize the argument as briefly as possible. No doubt some crazy shit happened in America in 1787, but what didn't happen is that the, quote, convention delegates, end quote, as Robert Reich puts it, quote, changed the ratification process itself. They didn't. Congress did. And the question the Article 5 chicken littles today have got to come clean about is just this. Are you really saying that because Congress in 1787 adopted a new way to ratify a new constitution, Congress in 2020 would have the power to adopt a new way to ratify amendments to our existing constitution. Because if you're really saying that, then I'm really worried. Not even Donald Trump has uttered something as crazy about our constitution as that. No credible lawyer could believe that Congress has the power today, whatever happened in 1787, to change the mode by which amendments to the Constitution can be ratified. So regardless of whether you support a particular amendment or not, we should just be done with this crazy talk now. Maybe there shouldn't be a convention to propose amendments to our Constitution, Maybe we should leave that work to Congress. Maybe the amendments a convention would propose would just be bad or stupid. Maybe the whole enterprise would just be a waste of time and enormous energy. Maybe. But what is certain is this. The only way a proposal coming out of Article 5 conventions could ever be part of our Constitution would be if it were ratified by 38 states. Of that we can be absolutely sure. So then why should we try? That's the argument for episode four. 